You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit podcast, the POD cast. We're back. We're here. The offseason is over. Training camp is here. And that is today's topic. Training camp. Training camp preview. Detroit Lions training camp preview. We actually have things to talk about. We're very excited about it. I am your substitute host, Jeremy Reisman, the editor-in-chief at Pride of Detroit. And I'm your substitute today, so don't act up. Don't try to, you know play me and and you know I'm, I'm not i'm not this weak guy that you're gonna walk all over this podcast i know i know you're thinking about it chat i know you're thinking about it so don't even think about it my co-host is here as well ryan matthews Back is the rock guy. at ryan underscore pod ryan you're a teacher did i did i uh properly assert my dominance as a substitute I think you fundamentally failed instilling fear into the crowd, but um, you certainly did assert yourself as a person of something. <laughs> uh, should I have approached the the toughest looking member of our live chat and beaten the crap out of? Oh no, that's jail. Uh, oh yeah, that that's jail. I think what you should have done is showed up with a skateboard over your shoulder and a uh, band T-shirt on, and. Uh, you know, kind of commiserated with the crowd instead. You know what? Maybe I'll try that next time. Uh, but yeah, today uh, we are talking about training camp. We're recording this on Monday night. Uh, veterans report on Tuesday. First practice is Wednesday. So yeah, uh, it's all it's all happening as as the as the kids say. It's all happening. And uh, this episode, we're going to preview it all. We're going to go position by position, talk about the players there, who we think is going to be the starters, who we think might compete for uh, some of the 53-man the roster spots and basically, um, you know, the big storylines. Uh, so I, I don't see any reason to, to diddle-daddle any, any longer. Should we get right into it? Yeah, so Penesul is a 75 overall in Madden. That's the top story of the okay, day. Okay, no, no, no. <laughs> oh, oh, okay, sorry. No, no, I'm sorry. Sorry. Sorry, reset. Uh, yeah, but, all right, reset. Here we go. <laughs> Offense. <laughs> Quarterbacks. The Lions have a couple new ones this year, if you didn't know. Um, this will be the first training camp without Matthew Stafford in 12 years. I am maybe ready for that. Probably not. We'll see on Wednesday. Uh, Jared Goff, I think, is the, the storyline at quarterback. I don't think there's really anything else that, 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 that eclipses that. Um, what, what, what are you hoping to see uh, from Jared Goff in, in training camp that maybe we didn't get to see in, in minicamp or, or maybe something that you want to see carry over from minicamp? Well, first and foremost, when you said that there were two new quarterbacks, I was like, well, just Tim Boyle, who's the, uh, oh, Jared Goff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I really, in terms of 
in terms of being involved with the team, not just, you know, from a Pride of Detroit standpoint, but I think really from like just being a fan, a, a, a true, true fan, um, somebody who's followed games week after week, it's always been Matthew Stafford. So like this is a huge shakeup. And I think in terms of what I'm looking from uh, Jared Goff in, in training camp, one of the things he already kind of checked off the box, and it's a guy who looks like he's ready to be a part of everything. I mean, he showed up when when rookies reported uh, over the weekend. Um, yep. Jared Goff was already in the building, uh, you know, uh, apparently getting himself ready for, you know, training camp and, and all the things that are to ensue. But if I'm looking for in terms of what Jared Goff can do on the practice field, I think I'm looking for somebody who just looks collected and looks ready under pressure like that but i want him to look um i want him to look like he's he's been here before i want him to look the part and and i know that maybe that's kind of a cop-out answer and and i want him to be matthew stafford but that, that's not it I, I just want him to be somebody who looks like he's ready to take the reins and and really really run this thing yeah and i, I think you're right in that he, he passed that initial test because in minicamp in in uh otas he he looked like he was taking this job very seriously. He looked very poised. He looked like a leader out there. And yeah, he's off to a good start already, like you said, uh, joining in on a report day for the, the rookies over the weekend instead of with the veterans, um, which I, I mean, it's not all that uncommon, but still you like to see that. Um, to me, I think it's just live reps with pressure, right? Because I think that's one of the one of the big knocks on his game is once the pressure comes, he just kind of panics. He's he's not really good at navigating the pocket necessarily. Um, he, he throws okay on the run, but it's just a manner of of managing that that pressure and not taking sack and things like that. And obviously, no one's going to be able to touch him. But there will be live reps in, in which pressure is coming, and and he should feel that that pressure at least a little bit, even though he knows he's not going to get hit. So I want to see him, you know, maintain his steady level of play that we saw in in mini camp um, with that pressure coming. And you know, it, without the the hitting, you're you're not going to get a full you know rep of it. You're not. It's not going to be exactly like a game uh game day kind of simulation but you're gonna get a pretty good idea i think and so that to me is is the big storyline with, with jared goff let's move to his uh his backups here uh you got tim boyle new in town and then obviously you have david blau um i have to imagine you're you're with me here that you think tim blau is entering as the clear number two but do you think there's a chance david blau could pull that away from him by the end of training camp um i think that there's every opportunity for this backup job to be settled in camp i i don't i i really don't have a guy who's kind of ahead of another guy um uh, e even though it it seemed like the reports out of camp and, and you were there jeremy so you could speak on this better but it seemed like tim boyle was kind of fading into that like qb3 like it looked like david blob maybe was kind of asserting his his place as the number two quarterback but i mean again like you mentioned with jared goff how much can you really tell when it's just, you know, OTAs and when it's just like mini camp? So I, I think that the backup job could really be settled in in training camp. And uh, that's one of the storylines that has me most intrigued for, for preseason is to see how the Lions are going to handle this situation, because are they going to have three quarterbacks um, or are they going to feel comfortable enough with somebody's play during training camp in the preseason that they're cool with just running with two guys? Yeah, I think you nailed it there. And and yeah, in, in minicamp, it was kind of one day. Boyle didn't look so hot, and then the next day he looked a little bit better. Um, I do think it's it's fairly even, but I do think Boyle is probably their guy. 
Um, obviously, I think, you know, everything's up for grabs, like you said, in training camp. But I, I can't I can't just throw away the Packers' beat writers reporting about Tim Boyle last year like that. I, I'm, I'm throwing it away in that, like, obviously, he's not going to compete with Jared Goff. But there's clearly something there that we didn't see during minicamp. And so I'm eager to see what that is. And then, yeah, the other storyline there is two or three. And I thought um, Eric made a really nice point, I think, a couple of uh, green rooms ago where he said, you know, this team tried to get rid uh, or this team almost had David Blau taken from them last year when he was on the, the practice squad and they, they elevated him and they protected him from from being poached. So maybe they don't feel safe doing that again. Maybe they carry three. And I know that's something that I don't particularly like carrying three quarterbacks on a roster, especially one that's not as competitive as, as the one the Lions currently have, but it might be something necessary if they think David Blau is, is a potential, you know, future backup. But then again, if he's a potential future backup, maybe you just make him his number two and say, you know what, Tim Boyle, you didn't, you didn't cut it. Yeah. And especially in a season where it's year one of the retool, right? So, I mean, you can afford to take your lumps this year if you're kind of thinking of, uh, you know, more down the road. All right, let's move to running backs here. Uh, obviously, we got our 1A, 1B situation, and you can interpret 1A, 1B, whatever you, whatever, however you want. Uh, DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams are these guys that are locked into roster spots. Let's talk about expectations for them because they kind of shined in minicamp as receivers, but we haven't really seen them as running backs. So what are you looking from those two? Yeah, I, out of both those guys, I think I just want to see consistency. Um, and, and I want to see... I want to see those guys doing the things that we are kind of envisioning for them. And what I mean by that is hopefully it's some split backfield. Hopefully it's some 22 personnel. Hopefully it's, um, you know, both of them lining up in the backfield and, you know, whether or not they're going to show too much of what they're, what they're actually going to do on offense in training camp. Um, I mean, probably limited, uh, but if they at least show the, the willingness to do it in training camp. Hopefully it's something that carries over to the, to the regular season or, or something like that. But um, I, I'm really hoping that we get a chance to see their receiving ability showcased because I think that's one of the things that's most highly touted about DeAndre Swift. I think that's something that a lot of us uh, are excited about Jamal Williams potential with the team. Um, and for a team that's really trying to get their footing when it comes to pass catchers outside of TJ Hawkinson, Tyra Williams hasn't played in a year. Rashad Perryman has, you know, kind of just bounced around the league after being, you know, a first round draft pick and, and not seeing a whole lot of playing time due to injuries. This team is really hurting for pass catchers, and I think that they're going to rely on the running back room to do that a lot. So I want to see some consistency in terms of hands, in terms of route running, in terms of being able to create separation from the running backs, which seems a little strange, but I, I don't really have a whole lot of reservations about their ability to run the football, especially with this offensive line. And I know we'll get to them a little bit later, but that's something that I would be really interested to see from uh, both those guys in training camp. Yeah, and it kind of becomes a, a complicated analysis because if they're creating separation against the Lions linebackers, well, it's also the Lions linebackers. <laughs> And we, and we talked about that on the green room. Like, yeah, depends on how you want to spin it. I mean, if the if Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift are breaking, you know, angle routes against linebackers and making Tevante Beckett look like a look like a D2 player, then kudos to the running back room. And let's just celebrate them. Let's celebrate things this training camp. 
<laughs> yeah, and, and I mean, I think that's why, I mean, I'm intrigued of what the running game is going to look like, almost more so in usage than, like, you know, success. Because, again, like, yes, the pads are going to be coming on, but there's not going to be a lot of live tackling, so we don't really know how the running backs are going to perform in terms of, you know, breaking tackles and, 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 and that sort of thing. So I'm I'm just kind of more interested about usage and, you know, is is... Is it going to be drive by drive? You know, DeAndre Swift gets a drive. Jamal Williams gets a drive. Is it Jamal Williams gets more carries towards, you know, the red zone and, and goal line potentially? Um, are, are we, like you said, are we going to get some of those two back uh, sets? I mean, I would love it, but I feel like we've been banging the door for that for a long time, and I don't know if we're ever going to get it. But to me, yeah, I think it's just usage. Um, and, and, you know, is there a chance that Jamal Williams is potentially the, the RB1? I, I don't really think that's that's going to be the case. I think you'll see DeAndre Swift come out with, with the first team most of the time. But it might be a close, like we've been saying all offseason, this might be closer to a 50-50 split than, than some people are thinking. So usage to me is more important because I think we know who Jamal Williams is. We have a pretty good de- idea of who DeAndre Swift is. I just want to see what the plans are for them. And, and maybe we don't get much of an answer during training camp. Maybe we do, but um, that's what I'm going to be trying to focus on, I think. Yeah, and I think that that's probably something you're going to keep a close eye on in terms of how many reps is, you know, one guy getting with the ones versus, you know, the other guy with the ones. So that is one thing that you can track and actually um, have some tangible data going with uh, into the actual games. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other storyline uh, in the in the backfield there is, is just who's RB3. You got Jamar Jefferson, seventh round pick and uh, Dedrick Mills, you undrafted rookie. And then Michael Warren, second added a couple weeks ago um, and maybe a mystery man with that 90th spot on the roster, maybe a Todd Gurley. Um, is, is there any particular guy of, of that trio that you're interested in, in seeing, or do you think the Lions eventually add a guy like Todd Gurley to kind of just take over that RB three job and, and eliminate the drama there? Maybe not to eliminate the drama completely. I, uh, I mean, it is a young backfield, you know, Jamal Williams is 25 DeAndre Swift is is younger than that, um, just coming into his second NFL season. So there's a lot of youth. And then obviously drafting Jamar Jefferson, who I think is probably as close to. He's probably as close to a lock as a bubble guy can be uh, just because of the necessity there with two running backs. And, you know, the other running backs are uh, clearly behind him in terms of uh, Dedrick Mills and Michael Warren. But. I, I I'm I'm intrigued to see what Jamar Jefferson has. Obviously, the team took him in the seventh round. Uh, they could have, you know, selected another player and maybe pursued him as a uh, as a UDFA, but they decided to take him with that pick. And I know Jamar Jefferson is kind of coming here with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder because he thought he should have been drafted in the fourth or fifth round himself. Um, so I, I am intrigued to see what kind of skill set Jefferson adds to this backfield that everybody is. Everybody's already kind of head over heels for both Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift. So I think whatever wrinkle Jamar Jefferson adds to this lineup is going to be uh, is going to be something interesting. All right, let's move on to wide receivers here. Uh, let's start with the roster locks. Let's call them Tyrell Williams, Brashad Perriman, Amon Ross St. Brown. Those are your three guys, probably your three starters, but not necessarily. Um, but those guys are, are almost certainly going to be on the 53. So what are you looking from that trio? Tyrell Williams to just step up and be the bona fide number one guy. Like I want yeah. him to, I, I want to see him out there in training camp being the guy and the lions, as I already mentioned, they are sorely in need of pass catchers and TJ Hawkinson can't catch everything. He can't line up everywhere, but um, 
Tyra Williams needs to needs to come out and show out in camp that he is the bona fide number one wide receiver, and he has every he has every incentive to do so. Just operating on a one year contract, and you can say that about a lot of the guys. You can say that about Brashad Perryman. You can say that about some of the depth guys that we're going to get into, like Khalif Raymond, Damian Ratley. Uh, some of these other, you know, uh, they're going to play different roles. They're going to fit differently into the scheme, um, but. I think Tyrell Williams needs to be that number one target who can carve himself out a, a nice role where maybe he goes out and catches, you know, 55 to 65 catch or passes in, uh, in 2021. Yeah. And I'm, I'm kind of along the same lines there. Like I'm just looking for a guy that, that can develop some chemistry with Jared Goff because we did, we didn't really see anyone kind of, I mean, we, we saw a couple of miscommunications in, in minicamp, but of course that's supposed to be expected for a new quarterback and a new wide receiving core and a new uh, offensive system. Like all, all this stuff is new. So it's going to take time. So I'm hoping to see something develop eventually. And, and we know Jared Goff has taken some of these guys out um, in, in California, done some off season workouts, maybe make some of that chemistry right away. Maybe it takes a, a preseason game or two. Um, I don't care if it's Tyrell Williams or Brashad Perriman or uh, Monroe St. Brown. Um, I just, I want someone to establish themselves as, as someone that Jared Goff trusts because when we looked at minicamp, when we looked at OTAs, that man was TJ Hawkinson and nobody else. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? As far as expectations go, I have Tyra Williams like in pencil as the number one wide receiver of this class where he's going to be the guy that eventually develops, as you mentioned, kind of some somewhat of a, of a repertoire, a, a rapport with with Jared Goff in terms of chemistry and things like that. But I think he's like the bonafide number one X receiver. It would not surprise me if Brashad Perryman isn't wide receiver number two. Like it wouldn't shock me if Amon Ra St. Brown isn't the starting slot receiver to begin the year. Like the only guy that I'm really counting on and I'll, I'll say I'll put his name in pen is going to be Tyrell Williams. Beyond that, I could see the rest of the depth. I mean, shaking out however it might shake out. I mean, it's always important to point out Tyrell Williams did have a thousand yard season not that long ago. And so, yeah, yeah. I, I think I'm with you that he's he's the most likely candidate. But again, I I don't care who it is. I, I need to see some sort of chemistry there. Mm-hmm. Now you look at the depth here and there's there's really storylines galore, galore. Quinn is Cephas. Can he kind of catch on with the new coaching staff? Khalif Raymond versus Victor Bolden. It's kind of a, a, a face off that we've kind of created since minicamp, since both of them bring return abilities. You got Geronimo Allison coming back after opting out. Bunch of UDFAs, including Javon McKinley and, and Sage Surratt, although McKinley is on the COVID list, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so um, what what is is there a guy you're circling here that you're like, He's my dude. Cause I mean, we talk about it every year. Like there's always one guy, one, and it usually is a wide receiver that comes out in training camp. That's, that's the training camp darling. But considering this, this roster is so weak, a training camp darling actually has a pretty good chance of contributing this year. So, so is there a, a matchup? Is there a player, uh, a storyline that you're, you're really interested in this, uh, this training camp? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you already kind of highlighted it is that, kind of competition we've already created for Khalif Raymond and, and Victor Bolden. Um, Victor Bolden was kind of like the darling of minicamp of OTAs. Uh, he had some, some, you know, nice moments there. Um, but I think with, with that position specifically, that kind of echoes back to what I said earlier about, I wouldn't be shocked if a Monroe St. Brown isn't like the starting slot receiver right out of the gate. It could be one of those two guys you just mentioned. It could be Victor Bolden. It could be Khalif Raymond. Hell, it could be Quintus Cephas. I mean, yeah. it kind of kind of all remains to be seen because 
I think we all had ourselves under the impression that Quintus Cephas was going to be this guy built from the Anquan Bolden mold. He was going to be the big possession slot receiver guy. Who knows? I mean, I, I don't think we really have any kind of idea or inclination or or, I, you know, any kind of thought of, of what how all these pieces are going to fit necessarily. Like I said, outside of Tyrell Williams and I. I, I'm most intrigued to see what that team does with the slot because I think in conjunction with TJ Hawkinson at, at tight end, like those are going to be a couple of the guys that are going to be Jared Goff's safety valves. So you, you want to see a good repertoire uh, created between uh, between Goff and whoever ends up kind of emerging as that slot receiver. Yeah, I, th- I think you bring up a good point too here in that the Lions have a lot of inside-outside guys that don't necessarily have a defined role as one or the other. I would mm-hmm. I would throw a Monroe St. Brown in there like he can play a little bit on the outside. Victor Bolden, sure. I think, has some some experience on the inside, even though he doesn't quite as uh, uh, Geronimo Allison, too. Um, you know, mm-hmm. Allison isn't as speedy as, as some of the other slot options, but um, he's a guy that that's done it before. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm just kind of curious to see where the puzzle pieces fit here, because you're right. Like I, pretty much penciling in Brashad Perriman as, as outside wise receiver too, but pencil, not pen. Pencil, not pen. Like there, there's a lot okay. that can happen here. I'm and and people love UDFAs. A lot of people are really like Sage Surratt held, you know, Dan Campbell on draft day said he was going to do a backflip if they got him. Um, we didn't see anything out of him in minicamp, though. So he's going to have his opportunities to impress. And, and he'll be a guy that I'm certainly going to pay attention to if for no other reason than, you know, people want to know. But um, I'm, I'm not I'm not ready to include any undrafted rookies into the conversation quite yet. Yeah, it seems like maybe wide receiver has the opportunity for one of those guys to rise to the top, but without really seeing any of them in in any, you know, um, uh, in any great quantity, it's kind of hard to make that assumption. Tight ends, uh, another one where we've we've kind of seen everything shake out um, as expected at the top. Here we got T.J. Hawkinson, obviously as your starter, Darren Fells uh, as your as your number two. I don't know if there's really a storyline. Is there is there really anything that that you can expect out of these two that you don't know already? I feel like we know both players pretty well already and and know what the expectations are for them. Yeah, I I, th- I think we have a clear tight end one, tight end two. Um, you know. Probably one of the most interesting things going into the Dan Campbell era was the Josh Hill signing. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be interesting to see whether or not, you know, Darren Fells is going to fit exactly into that role or if it's going to be some kind of combination or hybrid of, you know, maybe using Hawkinson in some of those situations because he has the blocking acumen um, or, you know, using Darren Fells or I think where it gets most interesting and where this conversation's heading is who is tight end three and do they have that ability to be the quote unquote front door to this offense? Yeah. And I, I don't have the, the faintest idea who that TE three is going to be. And, and I'm not Nobody sure the lines does. do either. <laughs> yeah. Because, it, and one of the interesting thing, I think it was Ben Johnson, the tight ends coach said it, it might've been uh, Anthony Lynn. They're just, they, they said straight up, like, we don't know what we're looking for in that tight end three. Cause we don't know what we have yet. And, and yeah, I mean, you look at the roster, there's a bunch of guys that have really never done it at the NFL level. Uh, Alize Mack, or Alize Mack, I should say, uh, Jake Hossman, Charlie Taumopeo, uh, Hunter Thedford, and Brock Wright. Um, a bunch of guys who just don't have experience at the NFL level. 
I mean, I think we're all, uh, you know, most people are, are penciling in LZ Mack right now, if for no other reason than he showed up to training camp looking jacked as hell. Uh, but I mean, do you have any idea? Like, is there a guy that you're like, I think this guy might surprise people? No, I don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I mean, how, how much do we really know these guys from from the next? It's it's um it's something that's truly going to be decided during training camp. I think what a more interesting discussion is, is will there be a tight end four? Yeah. I, I, I feel like I doubt it just because there's so much unproven here. You can you can almost certainly stash at least one, maybe two on the practice squad this year. Um, and I, I don't think any of these guys are getting poached. Sure. So I feel like that would be not the greatest use of a, a of a roster spot. But then again, like if this if this roster, if this scheme is going to be tight end heavy and we're, we're going to see a lot of two tight end sets, maybe you're going to want to carry four into game day just in case. Or maybe one of these guys ends up being an H back and then you don't need um we don't need a fullback. So, yeah. um, you know, we didn't, we didn't really talk too much about, uh, you know, whether Jason Cabinda is going to be part of the team or not, but you know, there's, there's a chance maybe like Jay Kosman, he's a really interesting guy at Ohio state. Great blocker. Doesn't really bring much as a receiver though, but if he can be that H back as well, like suddenly that's kind of two roles. It's, it's not the, the typical two roles of a tight end, you know, being a, a blocker and a receiver, but it's two roles and that sort of versatility might be enough to stick out in training camp. Something about Dan Campbell just makes me think that he's going to have a fullback on his roster. So that's why we didn't talk about Jason Cabinda. I feel like his yeah. spot is safe. Fair enough. I mean, unopposed at this point. But again, yeah, I think the H-back conversation is one at least keeping in mind, seeing if they, they do that at all in training camp. Uh, let's move to let's do let's do the offensive line separate between tackles and, and guard centers. So offensive tackles, starters are, are set in stone, Decker, Sewell. Then you've got... Um, I mean, we can talk about Sewell if we want, but I think we're all just I, he, probably the guy maybe we're all most eager to see because guy hasn't played in a year. It's the seventh overall pick. I mean, you got to be excited. It's the first time he's going to have pads on at the NFL level. Uh, he's he's the missing piece, right? He's the magic elixir that all of a sudden turns this offensive line into good and makes it absolutely great. You know, yeah. so I think that's I think that's where the expectations for this offensive line have really shot off is with the addition of Panay Sewell. So I think you're stacked there. You have your left tackle in Taylor Decker, your right tackle in Panay Sewell. But then you start looking at some of the depth and, you know, Tyrell Crosby, whether or not he's going to you know remain a Detroit Lion um, with uh, all the talk about a potential trade this offseason. And then Matt Nelson, Dan Skipper, Darren Paolo, like, I mean, I really just see this team keeping four tackles. Yeah. And to me, like, it, it's a pretty clear cut situation. Crosby and Nelson are your guy. Like Nelson proved last year, his transformation from the defense, from defensive lineman to offensive tackle worked out pretty well. He played well against the bears. He, he held Khalil Mack in check with a little bit of help, but um, I think those are your two guys. Uh, and, you know, maybe Darren Powell or Dan Skipper sticks around on, on the practice squad, but assuming Tyrell Crosby doesn't get traded, I think offensive tackle might be the most clear situation uh on the lines roster and i hope it stays that way because i like tyrell crosby and i think uh, i think it's important to have him here agreed yep all right let's finish off the offense with guards and centers again i think and maybe you could push back on this if you want i think the starters are set and jonah jackson at left guard frank ragnow at center halpuli vati vitae at right guard any 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 debate there no no i and i i think it just comes from me being on the vitae train 
I, I have all my stuff packed in a bag and I'm ready to jump off it at any point. Um, <laughs> but I I truly think that with all the with all of the things that we saw go wrong with Vitae last year, it was primarily injuries and injuries were the thing that really hampered him last season. So I think being healthy, coming back, knowing what role you're even playing to begin with. I mean, he came to Detroit and he was going to be the right tackle and then injuries forced him inside. And I mean, for a guy who knows what he is expected of, I, I think that's going to do wonders for his game. So uh, I, I think Vitae at, at guard, obviously Ragnow is one of the best centers in the league and, and Jonah Jackson is hopefully an ascending player who uh, is able to, you know, capitalize on a, on a, on a decent first year and and really and really you know take that next step to being a uh like a, a good player yeah and i think i think that jonah jackson storyline is being a little undersold right now we've we've talked plenty about halapulivati vitae and yeah he's gonna draw a lot of attention because he didn't play well last year but right. jonah jackson i mean if this offensive line is going to be as good as some people hype are hyping them up to be jonah jackson needs, needs to make a significant step he, he does and and he's He's right in the middle of two really, really good players, so that's going to work in his favor. You know, he, he's got the rookie jitters behind him. He's set up in a really, really good way, and if he's going to be this team's left guard for the future, he needs to be more than just okay this year. He needs to be good, if not great. Is it, yeah. I mean, that's, that's not too high expectations for him, right? I don't think so either. I mean, are you are you there with me in the sense that I think people kind of overplayed how well Jonah Jackson played a season ago? Yeah. I mean, there there were plays that that really made you look at him and be like, "This is the dude," and then yeah. there were it, it just didn't happen, you know, consistently enough. And I'm willing to shake that off as you know, it's a rookie season. You're, you're figuring things out. Um, but yeah, he he needs to be more cons- like off being an offensive lineman is all about consistency. You can have ten good plays in a row, but if you have one really bad play and your quarterback gets sacked and fumbles the ball, that's the only one people are going to remember, and rightfully so because. It's the one that cost your team. Exactly. Yeah. So, but I, I think, I think the, the interior in terms of the starters and, and where they're going to be playing are all set. And then it gets really interesting when it gets to the depth, because you start looking at guys from like the previous regime. How does Logan Stenberg fit in? Does he even fit in? You have UDFAs like Tommy Kramer and Drake Jackson um, and Evan Heim and then Evan Brown. So, I mean, I it's going to be, one of the subplots, I think, to training camp is going to be which of these guys has positional versatility to play guard and center. And I yeah. think that that guy immediately shoots up the ranks because this team really doesn't have a backup center. Yeah, it's a good point. And, and you know, developing news there is Evan Heim is starting the uh, starting training camp on the NFI list. So not a great start for him. He probably starts at the bottom of the depth chart at this point because of that, because, I mean, you're an undrafted rookie. You got to be out there. Um, and, and that's, you know, unfortunate situation for him, but yeah, like we, we've talked about it several times this off season, the, the depth at guard is not particularly promising at this point. And I think Logan Stenberg, like you said, is, is maybe one of the more intriguing stories there. Other than that, you have a bunch of kind of untested guys outside of Evan Brown, who played a little bit of center towards the end of last year. So he might have a leg up in, in that competition as well, but, um, a lot to be worked out there, I think in training camp this season. Oh yeah. All right. And with that. We wrap up the offensive preview for training camp. When we come back, let's move to the defense, a a very, very different looking defense. Plenty of intrigue on that side of the ball. So stick with us here on the POD cast as we preview 2021 Detroit Lions training camp. 
welcome back to the podcast here on our Detroit Lions 2021 training camp preview blowout. We just talked about the offense. Time to move on to the, the defense, where, as I talked about at, at, the at the bottom end of our last segment, lots of changes, lots of new faces, new scheme, new coaches, which brings up a whole bunch of new questions. Whew, I, I guess, I mean, let's start with the interior defenders. Let's talk about, there's, uh, I mean, there's so many storylines here. You, you got Michael Brockers, Levi Onzerike, Aleem McNeil. Those are your locks. Those are your roster locks right there. Your, your second and third draft pick there. And the guy you traded for in Michael Brockers, the veteran of the group. Uh, tell, tell me, out of those three, I mean, there's enough intrigue right there alone with, with each and every one of those guys. But is, is, is there something... In particular, you know, these guys are going to be putting on the pads for their first time, our first time really able to kind of, uh, you know, evaluate their, their play. Um, what And they're going against a good offensive line. So, I mean, what what's the storyline here? I, I think the storyline is, is Aleem McNeil as advertised? Because I think of maybe any of the rookies outside of Panay Sewell, he's going to have the biggest role on this team. Um, being the team's like de facto nose tackle, uh, his ability to to two gap and to one gap is, has been um, well covered and it, it's been definitely advertised. So I, I kind of just want to see if he's as advertised because this was a guy that, you know, he was he was another one of those guys that Brad Holmes was willing to to move up to get. But uh, he just happened to kind of fall into his lap and, uh, and the Lions ended up grabbing him. So I I'm expecting Michael Brockers to help elevate the play of the rest of these defenders too. Like he, he was clearly brought in because he is a captain, a former captain for the Los Angeles Rams. He's a veteran defensive tackle. Who's, you know, I mean, he's only been in St. Louis slash Los Angeles, but clearly really well-respected, uh, well-spoken. I think when he went on the Jim Rome show, I think that he definitely showed that he's a guy who isn't ready to settle for being the, you know, the uh, the doormat of the NFC North or even the NFL in general. Um, and I think he's really going to be a great tone center. So um, Aleem McNeil, Brockers, uh, and, and Levi's just one of those guys I expect, like I, I want to see his athleticism pop in camp. And, and it's kind of, it's it's going to be, I, I think it's just really difficult to get a, to get a, a firm grasp on defensive line play when you're watching it in training camp. I think that's something that's limited to the game's to see kind of pop on the film. Yeah. Um, I, I think I'm most interested in Levi, honestly. And, and it's because oh, okay. the, the, the reason is really simple. It's like, I'm expecting some pass rush out of the interior defenders this year. And he's the guy I'm going to be looking towards because, because he has that athleticism because he has that short area quickness. And I want to see that early on. And it's not, like I said, it's not, it's not going to be easy. It's beginning going to be going up against some good offensive linemen. Um, but that, you know, iron sharpens iron, right? Like, that's what I want to see. I want to see him build those skills against NFL caliber player. And, and I hope to see it as soon as possible. You're probably right in that a lot of this sort of stuff, you're not really going to see in a game until you get into a game situation. But we also get a lot of one-on-ones, um, offensive linemen versus defensive linemen. So I want to see Levi blow up a couple. I mean, you have to imagine he might not be with the ones right away. So if he has to blow up a couple of those, you know, interior guards that we were just talking about that don't have a lot of experience, I'm psyched to see that. I want to see that. Like to me, that that would be the storyline, not the interior offensive lineman, not not performing well, because 
you know, they're they're just as inexperienced and and not as highly thought of. So I want to see Levi blow some guys up. That, that That's one of those situations in which uh, collateral damage is justified, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> we're, yeah. we're fine with with Levi kind of laying waste to the twos. Um, seeing Levi take care of Jonah Jackson, though. Uh, yikes. <laughs> That, that yeah, that's definitely a good news bad news situation right there. Yeah, but then um, uh, I, th- I think going back real quick to the Aline McNeil point, like he's going to be up against, you know, he's a top two center, and if he's not two, he's definitely one. So, like that's quite the test for a guy right out of the box. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, moving down the depth chart here, um, again, really interesting storylines with some some leftovers from the the previous regime in in all three of these guys: John Penasini, Nick Williams, and Deshaun Hand. Um, I, I guess to me, the, the guy that stands out is Deshaun Hand, and it's a lot of the reasons uh, for that I'm, I'm excited about Levi Onzerike. He He's a, another guy that might be expected to bring some pass rush, and this is kind of his last shot, right? Um, I, I think he fits pretty well in this scheme. I think he has a shot as long as he's willing and able to do it. The, the good news is, like, he's been training with Michael Brockers, um, so so there is, you know, a drive still there. He's not necessarily you know, been beaten down by the, by the last three years here. Um, so I I'm hoping he recaptures some of, of, of that magic, but I'm, I'm curious. I'm, I'm not, I'm not ready to pencil him. I'm not really even ready to pencil him in on the roster necessarily. Um, but he, he has a very high ceiling, I think in this defense as well. Like he could either be a starter who gets, you know, 60, 70% of the snaps, or he could be a guy that's completely off the roster. So I think this is a big training camp for him. Yeah, I I, I want to say that I think Deshaun Hand is definitely on the the fifty three when all things are settled. But it wouldn't shock me, Jeremy, for Deshaun Hand to be a guy who's in street clothes when it comes to game day, and he's not part of the forty six. Like that that wouldn't shock me at all. So, um, but I, I'm I'm a little bit more bullish on John Penasini. I think that he definitely I think that he's got a spot. Um, just because you have a rookie who also plays his position. It's one of those things where you want some veteran insurance um, at, at, at a position like nose tackle. I really hope the Lions move on from Nick Williams. Um, I don't think that he really, I don't, I don't think he has it. Like he, he got to Detroit. He didn't show it. Um, and, you know, there, there's other off the field stuff that, that comes with him too um, in, in terms of his stance on certain things. So, I, I'm just not not very high on Nick Williams. Like, keep Deshaun Hand, roll with Levi. You got Brockers. Um, you know, hey, Kevin Strong's awesome. Like, give him a shot. Um, that's that's just kind of where I'm at with it. I mean, let's let's not shy away from this here. Like, Nick Williams has won a good season in his eight year career. It came in 2019 with the Chicago Bears. He's right next to Akeem Hicks. I, and and I don't want to speculate whether the guy is vaccinated or not, but he's clearly made some opinions about vaccinations on his Twitter account, which could be an issue this year. If a player is not vaccinated this year, the, the NFL is, is is really looking to incentivize getting vaccinated, and it's hard to it's hard to believe that Nick Williams is going to agree to get vaccinated based on his conduct on Twitter. I I don't, I don't want to speculate whether he is or isn't. Maybe he's just you know all into personal choices and 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 has chosen to get the vaccination, but he's shown enough skepticism about COVID from the beginning to believe that this could be an issue this year. And and that's something that, listen, the coaches are going to consider. They are. They just are. And so maybe that factors in. Yeah, and this is clearly not a violation of HIPAA laws. Um, yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I mean, 
the NFL is putting their foot down. I mean, we yeah. can talk about it too. Taylor Decker said that he was he was Not somebody who wasn't going to get vaccinated for personal reasons. Yep. And that can have, based on the memo that the NFL came out with, that can have a huge impact on every single player, not only on your own team, but whatever team you're playing against. Because sure. the NFL is not interested in kicking the can when it comes to games like it did last year, because that had to have been a logistical nightmare. And I'm sure that they don't want to do it again. So like you said, Jeremy, they're taking every step to incentivize getting vaccinated um, that they can, and they should. All right, let's move over to edge defenders here. Um, we, again... I think the top three here are, are probably locks. You got Trey Flowers, Romeo Okwara, Julian Okwara. Then that fourth edge spot is kind of interesting because it's between Charles Harris, Austin Bryan, and Robert McCray. But let's start with those first three first. Uh, Trey Flowers, Romeo, and the Okwara brothers. Um, again, so so many intriguing storylines here. What is most intriguing to you? Is this the year that we can finally cash in your... Um, your <laughs> that we can finally cash in on you saying the defensive line is going to be really good. Like, can have I finally... said that every off season for the past <laughs> three years? <laughs> can we finally cash in on that, on that currency? Listen, um, we, we got snacks, we got hand coming off a great rookie season. Like it's going to be great. You Trey flowers. I mean, there's, I mean, everything is going to work. Williams is hitting his prime. <laughs> Nick Williams is hitting his prime. Um, you know what? I think that there's a lot to be excited about the defensive line, and I think it's a market improvement from a year ago. And I think it's going to show up with hopefully a healthy Julian Okwara. I mean, I, a lot of people were looking at the Julian Okwara pick from from a year ago and saying that's the steal of the Lions draft. Like that's a guy who yeah. had first round tape until he got injured. Best of best abilities, availability. So we'll we'll see that with with Julian O'Quarr. And if he is, I think that's going to do huge wonders to this defensive line in terms of its depth. Because I mean, if you can spell out one O'Quarra with another O'Quarra, I mean that's I mean that's going to be dangerous. And um, we've made much we've made much ado, I think, about nothing when it comes to Trey Flowers' positional change. Um, but I I think that he's just going to be a steady guy, like. Just pen in like an 86 PFF grade. Like that's what Trey Flowers is going to be for the rest of yeah. his contract. Yeah. I, and you you hit both the points that I was going to hit, which is let's let's see Julian Aquara finally. And and yeah, Trey Flowers positional change in quotations, which is not like you said, I don't think it's really a storyline. Like he talked about it a little bit in OTAs and he also just did an interview with Corey Woods of Woodward Sports basically saying like, yeah, like. I'm still going to be doing all these same things I used to be doing. I'm just going to be standing up at the beginning of the snap. That's it. Like yeah. maybe I'll drop back to pass here and there, but I did that a little bit already before and it, it won't be the, the kind of play that defines me. I'm, I'm still going to be a pass rusher who sets the edge really well. And so he's going to be a pass rusher this year. Sets the edge really well. That's it. Do you think that Julian O'Quara could end up being maybe like the breakout player of this entire defense this year? I hope so. I don't I don't really know what to think of him. I wasn't I wasn't as huge on him when the Lions drafted him. Um, but but everything you said is true. Like there were some people talking about him being a first round draft pick. And and, you know, I mean. Everything set up for him to, to be better this year. He I, again, he but he was drafted by, you know, a different scheme and, you know, a coach with something different in mind. So um, it's 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 almost going to feel like a rookie season all over again for him, especially since he didn't play a lot last year. So. 
I'm not sure I'm ready to see him come out of the gate, you know, firing right away, but it would be great. Like that would be a huge, if the Lions could find out that the Aquara brothers were the, the future of this team's pass rush. Like that's, they're, they're set for years after that. And that's, that's, you know, something we've been looking for for a, a while here. Um, let's talk about that fourth spot now, though. Um, you got Charles Harris. You got Austin Bryant, who the Lions announced this week uh, is, uh, is going to start training camp on the physically unable to perform list again. And then Robert McRae. Um, that, I think that, to me, that is not a list of inspiring names to me, which is, is a, a somewhat significant concern there because it, it looks like Austin Bryant's on his last leg here. And, and we don't really know exactly what injury he's dealing with here, but he did leave you know, mini camp with an injury. Um, and, and, you know, has only played what, 10, 10 games, I think, or maybe not even that many through his first two seasons. And then mm-hmm. Charles Harris is a former first round pick who hasn't caught on. And I, I don't have any reason to believe he's going to catch on here either. So I don't know. Am I missing something here? Or are you just as kind of down on the line step here as I am? Yeah. I, I know that you weren't, um, you weren't really excited when the lions picked up Harris and free agency. Um, and, I, I get the idea that he was a first round pick who has kind of, you know, really failed to get home at the NFL level. I'm hoping that that the tides raise his ship. And I think that just playing with, um, you know, a lot of other elite talent um, on this defensive line, like Romeo Aquara, like Trey Flowers, um, like Michael Brockers. I think if if those if those guys can play well enough, Hopefully that leads to Charles Harris kind of having a breakout season a la Romeo Aquara last year. And, um, you know, if he can if he can get his numbers up, that's great. But I, I, I'm with you that I just I don't see how Austin Bryant. I know he's starting the, you know, training camp on the pup list and he can come off that whenever he wants to. Yeah. But for a guy who just hasn't been healthy like his entire career, starting year number three the same way is not is not the way to, to make it happen. And it, it almost seems like, because I truly thought that this was one of the things to keep an eye on in training camp was like Charles Harris versus Austin Bryan. Like who's going to get that like last pass rusher spot. I mean, you have to almost think that it's going to be Harris like hands down at this point. I'm, I'm still reeling from the fact that you just called the lines defensive line full of elite defenders. Yes. And no, we're going, to we're going, all, we're going <laughs> you, all the way in. We're you're going you're all doing the way it. This defensive line. You're, you're doing like I'm. I'm trying to preach caution because of because of what has happened in the past three years, where we've we've been like, this might be the best defensive line in the div- in the division, maybe in the, maybe in the NFC. No, we're we're speaking it into existence this year, and the reason why, Jeremy, is I'm just hoping that Aaron Glenn is just the he's the he's the fairy godmother who's going to come in and turn this. You're you're going to need a sweatshirt with his face on it pretty soon. I love me some Aaron Glenn. All right, let's move to the linebackers here. Uh, Jamie Collins, Alex Anzalone are your starters. Derek Barnes is also probably going to be part of this team as a fifth-round draft pick. Um, I, I I don't know where where to start amongst that crew. Are, are you locked in with Jamie Collins and Alex Anzalone being your your starters essentially in you know what essentially is a, a five-two, but also a, a three-four technically. Yeah, I think so. I think the Jamie Collins thing is that guy's getting paid so much money. It's like it's kind of crazy. Like when I when I saw the Fred Warner contract, like I saw the 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 money that Jamie Collins is making this season, like he's in like the top 10 linebackers. Yeah, which is 
kind of jarring and, because he's not really a top 10 player at that position. I mean, but but I mean, we saw that that ESPN stat, like in terms of what is it? Is it run stopping percentage or something? He was in the top 10. Yeah. Like he's he th- there are parts of his game that, that I think go overlooked or underrated. The question to me with him is, can he do it away from a Patriot system? Because history tells you the answer to no. that is no. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. But but physically, you know, he's fast. He's athletic. He fits. Like he, he fits theori- the mold, right? Yeah. Theoretically speaking, he's the, he's the physical specimen that this defense wants at linebacker. The question is just, can he succeed in another scheme? And and that's that's I think maybe one of the biggest questions. I, we obviously have a lot of questions about everyone else on the roster because it doesn't look particularly great at linebacker. But even the best player has a lot of questions surrounding him, which kind of tells you what uh, what you should expect from the linebackers this year. Yeah, well, I mean, if any of these linebackers are going to capitalize on the defensive line's elite talent, um, <laughs> I mean, the linebackers got to be the they got to be the the level of the defense that make it happen. But in, in all seriousness, I think Jamie Collins, obviously, like de facto starter just because of contract. And like you said, Jeremy, I mean, it seems like he's the kind of linebacker that this defense wants to have in terms of a guy who can get sideline to sideline. But you get into all that depth and you talk about guys like Derek Barnes. It's a rookie. Jalen Reeves, Maven, a special teams are like at best, like that's what he's shown so far throughout his career ever since he was drafted in 2017. Like this isn't a guy who only made it through. I mean, he's made it through like two regimes now. Like there's Jim Caldwell, (laughs) there's Matt Patricia, and now he's here. And the only things he's he's done is special teams. Now, Sean Dion Hamilton, Devontae Beckett, an undrafted free agent. Reggie Gilbert, Anthony Pittman. The one name that we haven't said yet is Jelani Tavai. Is Jelani Tavai going to make this team, Jeremy? Well, you'll have to wait until Bubble Watch defense goes on the side of the team. No, I, I, no, I do, I do think he is going to make the team, but he, it's anything but a lock. And listen, I, I know fans probably got sick of all the Jelani Tavai talk during minicamp and OTAs, but it's going to continue, and rightfully so. It's, it's a very interesting storyline where a guy is just he was drafted for a completely different reason at the time. He didn't fit what the lines are trying to do now, but he's working like hell to get there. And I don't want to count him out. Like it, it, he, he does have odds stacked against him. And even if he gets down to his target weight, like he's still going to be a little bit oversized for maybe what, what they're, they want, but I I'm intrigued to see where it all goes. And the lines don't have enough talent where I can say like, even, even if, you know, he doesn't have as, as much talent as, as Matt Patricia ever thought, um, there's no chance he makes a team. I think there's a chance he makes a team because who else is going to? Jalen Reeves maybe a guy. I mean, I, th- I think Reeves maybe makes a team too because I think special teams alone will win him a, a roster spot. But like, how can anyone else say they have faith in, in Sean Dion Hamilton or Devontae Beckett or Reggie Gilbert or Anthony Pittman? Like, none of these guys have proven anything else either. So why not give the guy a chance who's working like hell to do it, who apparently has impressed some of the coaching staff early on? I'm not counting against Jelani Tavai. I think he makes it. The question is what sort of role he plays this year and, and it might not be much of a role. Well, I, I think you're looking at those top three guys like Jamie Collins, Alex Anzalone, and then probably Jalen Reese Mabin. But when you look at every single linebacker on the roster, I bet you Jelani Tavai probably has like the third most defensive snaps out of any of those guys. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, just by experience alone, Exper- experience is huge. Like I, I don't think people understand how, how important experience is. Uh, to to playing like you you just you never know what the league looks like until you're in it 
period. It's it's why it's why rookies struggle. Like yeah. point blank. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's very it's really simple. And it, and and no rookie is really spared, even even the ones that look pretty good the rookie season. Um, but let's let's move to the cornerback position where we do have a couple of rookies there, including uh, their fourth round pick, Ifatsu Melifanwu, um, who I would say is, is safe on the roster, as is Jeff Okuda, Mani Orarie, Quinton Dunbar, I think, is also in that group. And then we have some questions. But before we get to that, let's talk about those top four guys. Um, is is is. Is the big storyline just like who are the two starters on the outside? Is that is that the big storyline? Or maybe who's the starter in all three positions? If you want to throw, you know, nickel corner in there. Yeah, I, there there's a lot to shake out when it comes to the the Lions, I think, base package and who's lining up at which spot at cornerback. But I think the number one storyline of training camp is what does Jeff Okuda look like? Like, who is Jeff Okuda? and this is one of those things where it's uh it's kind of a catch 22 in the sense that like if Jeff Okuda plays really well, it's like, Oh, well look at the wide receivers he's going up against. Um, but he's a guy who really has to, he has to show up and he has to show out. And that's the most intriguing storyline for me for, for the cornerbacks is, is who is Jeff Okuda and is he ready to, to be the guy that was drafted third overall? You realize you've put yourself into an impossible position now because you want to see Tyrell Williams break out as this team's number one receiver, but you also want Jeff Okuda to just pop off in training camp. How how in the world can we get both those things to happen? A 50-50 split. <laughs> Which honestly would would, would every, make... every pass is either a touchdown or an interception thrown to him. But then all of a sudden now Jared Goss throwing a bunch of interceptions. And now, oh, crap. And now we're one and now we're now we're getting Tim Boyle talk um at training camp and that would that wouldn't be no bueno. So um I I just wanna see Okuda out there in position. Like even yeah. if he has like a little bit of Nevin Lawson syndrome where he's just like in the right spot but can't quite make the play, like that's fine with me. Like Oh no. Oh no. We are setting <laughs> we setting the bar at Nevin Lawson for Jeff Okuda. We we aren't setting the bar that low specifically, but I, I guess what I mean is when I when I watched a lot of Jeff Okuda last year as as a rookie when he was playing, granted he was playing against, you know, the top receivers in the NFL for that one stretch. Like it just looked like he didn't belong. Yeah. It it looked like athletically he was more than a step behind. I want to see a guy who's right there. Like yeah. I want to see a guy who's running yeah. step for step with Brashad Perryman. Like I want to see Jeff Okuda bodying up with a guy like Tyra Williams who has some size to him. So um, as long as Jeff Okuda is in position to make a play, I think it's a big success for Jeff Okuda in training camp. So try to twist my words about Nevin Lawson. I, I would never <laughs> wish that upon anybody. Um, but I, g- give me your thoughts on on where Quentin Dunbar fits into this puzzle, because I think he's one of the the more intriguing pieces of this defensive backfield because he's kind of like the de facto veteran of the cornerback room. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough to know where his career is headed, right? Because he had such a really impressive 2019 season where like, if he would have replicated that in 2020, we'd be talking about him as a top 10 cornerback in the league right now. And he's not playing for the lions. (laughs) Right. And he's, yeah. But for a myriad of reasons, things didn't go well with Seattle and it could be, you know, he didn't fit in their scheme. It could be, he was dealing with some off field stuff. 
injuries, whatever, like it didn't happen again. And and now you're kind of left with like kind of the Nick Williams conundrum here where he has one really good year and then one not so good year, but he only has one good year to his name. So what, what do we think is going to happen? And I, I don't know, like, are, are we just going to, you know, wave that the Aaron Glenn wand at him and suddenly he's, he's going to recapture that magic? Maybe. I mean, I, I think I think I have him slightly ahead of uh, Amani Oruarie in terms of my my belief in and 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 I, I guess you know even entering training camp maybe he's my my CB two instead of uh, Oruarie but it it's anyone's guess right I mean who who knows because sometimes you just have that flash in the pan season and then it never happens again and I I can't say for sure what's going to happen we didn't see a ton of him in in minicamp or OTAs so. Definitely something I'm going to have my eye on. The The other thing I'm going to have my eye on is, is as I kind of referred to before, that the slot position, because it looked like it was maybe Mike Ford's job going into training or going into OTAs and, and minicamp. Um, but I think a lot of people assume it's Cornelder's job. And again, we're, we're left with a couple of people with, with not a lot of experience. And it, it's hard to make a prediction when you just you just don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's to be said about what I said earlier, I, I I think that every position is open for the taking and it's just who wants it, like who wants to be the outside corners, who wants to be the, the starting nickel, who wants to be the first guy to to rotate in. Um, you're, you're hoping that. Who are you hoping? Pans out to be one, two, three corner. I mean, I think in an ideal situation, it's Jeff Okuda. It's Amani Oruwari because he's your draft pick and he's young and he's and he's signed for at least one more year. Yeah. Um, and then I don't know, like, I mean, maybe eventually you're hoping it's a Fatu Melifanu, but it's probably not in year one. And, and who knows if he's going to be in nickel or, or what he's going to do. But if, if I had to choose between Mike Ford and Cornelder, I guess Mike Ford, because he also brings you some some special teams. So, you know, having that on the roster, I mean, you might end up keeping keeping both anyways, because Mike Ford is a good special teamer. So if Cornelder wins the job, maybe you just keep them both. Maybe, maybe either way you keep them both. Um, I guess I don't really have a preference in terms of who wins a nickel job, just the better player. Yeah. Yeah. I, the, the one thing I want the one thing I want to say real quick about Mel Fonwu, and I know people are really excited about him because of his, his athletic traits. I think uh, Nick Baumgartner and Chris Burke did a good job of uh, breaking down some of his film over at the athletic, but uh, it wouldn't, entirely shock me to see him be a guy who gets very little if any playing time in his rookie season yeah i mean i i, I he's not going to start any games unless there's injury. no yeah um i, I do see him Agreed. getting some sub package work though because because he's kind of he's a unique body type and that he's i mean he's huge mm-hmm. and and if if the you know if the lines go against a team with like a really big tight end threat i i could see him being kind of a shadow guy potentially if if they need it. Um who knows? But I mean who knows? He has to he has to show he's ready first and you know he's got some work to do before he gets there. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I can buy it. All right, we're gonna pass over the UDFAs at um, at corner just because we're running short on time here. Let's move straight to the safeties. Where again, it, it, a lot like the cornerbacks, I think we, we have an idea who one starter is going to be, and that's gonna be Tracy Walker. But then after that you're left with a bunch of question marks. Will Harris, Dean Marlowe are probably the two that are going to make the team um, and, and, you know, fight for that second starting spot. Um, do, do you have I'm going to throw the same question you just threw at me. Do you have a preference of who wins that matchup? I, I mean, I, I hope it's 
Will Harris for the same reasons that you outlined for Oruarie. Like, I'm both drafted from the same class, yeah. right? I believe um, so. Yeah. And, yep. And on top of that, like, you just have a little bit more team control with Will Harris and uh, th- than you do with Dean Marlowe. So I-, I would hope that it'd be Will Harris, but, I mean, well, I- he hasn't really shown a whole lot. So it's it's just that kind of seems to be the... That seems to be the way that you can blanket statement a lot of the defenders is that like these are guys who are like have been primarily special teamers like Jalen Reeves Mabin and Mike Ford. And um, even looking at this list, like I think CJ Moore is a guy um, who could potentially, you know, if he wants to take that safety two spot. I mean, it's for the taking. Yeah. And he's a guy who's shown special teams ability. So, I mean, that's a guy who wouldn't shock me if if all of a sudden he's. Um, you know, competing for reps, but um, you know, Eric Schlitt isn't here, so we should pour one out for him. He he thinks the safety room is the room that needs the most help on defense. Do you do you agree with that? I think I do. Um, because yeah, even more than linebacker. Yeah, only because linebacker has. Uh, I mean, we we just talked about how there are questions with Jamie Collins, but he's he's the one guy who's established himself as you know borderline top ten off ball linebacker at times. Lions don't have anything that resembles that uh, at safety. Like, I'm sorry, like, I'm not ready to crown Tracy Walker as, you know, fixed or, you know, this guy that we've been banging. I mean, he he's he's close to Deshaun Hand territory right now where it's just like we we love the idea of Tracy Walker more so than than the actual product of Tracy Walker. And and listen, he could turn it around. There, there's a good chance, I would even say, that he turns right around because the Lions were misusing him. No question yep. about it. But he still has a ton to prove. And so, yeah, I'm right there. Like the safety safeties are a big issue, but I'm like, I'm very intrigued in Tracy Walker. I don't, I don't want to seem like I'm slamming the guy because I think him and Jeff Okuda are, are going to be fascinating players to watch as they're not only expected to be better players this year, but like they're also entertaining guys. They're, they're guys with very interesting personalities and now they're going to allow to show them again. Now they're going to be able to be themselves and that could do wonders for their game. And, and I hope it does. But we have to see it first before I start believing. And something else to that effect, too. Like, they're probably both going to be expected to be leaders. Yeah. And yep. they're young guys. And yep. and it's it's time Good for point. the maturation process to happen for, for both these guys. I, I, I wanted to be upset with what you said about Tracy Walker and Deshaun Hand, but I couldn't. Uh, but I think that you'd agree with me in that I think Tracy Walker's path to success is a little bit easier sure. and not as many hurdles to climb as the one for Deshaun hand. Sure. Well, yeah. Cause I mean, yeah. injuries is a tough one to, to overcome yeah. to begin with. Plus, you know, the lines just drafted a bunch of defensive tackles and right. uh, yeah. they don't have any safety. So Tracy Walker is <laughs> the de facto number one right now. And it's not close where Deshaun hand might be playing second, third, fourth or fifth fiddle over there. Defensive tackle. Sure. Um, really quick. Let's, let's look at the depth here. D'Angelo Amos is an interesting name, a guy who could factor into the return game. If he uh, if he shows out in preseason, Jalen Elliott is a guy who spent last season on the on the practice squad. Maybe that year development leads him to kind of having a CJ Moore role where he's on special teams a little bit this year. Then you got Elijah Holder, Godwin Iguibuke. Um, Any of those names stick out as a guy that that you think could surprise people this camp? I I think you already hit the head uh, on the nail with uh, D'Angelo Amos um, Mm -hmm. just because of that versatility his ability in the return game uh, as well as safety and with how wide open it is at safety 
I think that any of these guys have the opportunity to latch on as as like a special teams or or you know part of part of some kind of like depth. Um, I don't necessarily see any of them as viable candidates to start because I truly think that Tracy Walker is going to be like the comeback player of the year for the Lions in terms of you know where we where we originally thought he was um, and to to where he he can get back to. Um, but uh, yeah, I as far as that depth goes it's a lot like the, the backup offensive lineman, like cream's going to rise to the top. Yeah. And we'll see who can, who can show out. All right. That's going to conclude our defense portion of our training camp preview. When we come back, we got some special teams battles brewing that we got to talk about. And then we'll wrap up our lions training camp preview for the 2020 season, 2021 season. When we come back on the POD cast. Closing out our Detroit Lions training camp preview podcast. Uh, we did the offense. We did the defense. Now we got some training camp battles for special teams that come in. And uh, I don't know. I don't know how competitive they're going to be. But at the same time, I don't know. I don't know if we're necessarily going to have some of the uh, the players that, that we're going into training camp expecting to have. Uh, we, we can skip over punter. Jack Fox is, is running unopposed and as he should. So there is no punter battle 2021, but there could be a long snapper battle. And mm. Ryan just kind of rolled his eyes at me. Is there any chance, any chance the Lions have finally found the person to, to, to put Don Mulebach out to, out to rest in Scott such a, Daly? Such a sad way to describe the end of Don <laughs> Muleback's tenure as a Detroit Lion is like he's getting put out to pasture. Like we're treating him like he's old yeller. Yeah. Uh, we've been doing a hashtag long snapper watch since 2017. What's going on at kicker? It is because there's a cl- there's a clear front runner. But if anybody pays attention to how kicking shakes out in the NFL, like that can change in a hurry. Yeah. And honestly, I'm not even sure how clear it is. Like Randy Bullock is is the the more seasoned the veteran. veteran, right? Yeah. And and he's been acceptable his his career like that's I think that's the biggest compliment I can give him because like he's not a long ball kicker his accuracy is not you know among the top ten it's 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 more around average and I don't know like there's there's just not much other than that like he's not a guy you know that 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 was he came from Cincy right like no one from Cincy is like mm-hmm. oh man when he's leaving like I mean. I don't, I don't want this to turn into a segment just like continuing to scratch my head over, over why Matt Prater isn't still here, but same time, why isn't Matt Prater still here? <laughs> uh, because the other option is Matthew Wright, a guy who has kicked four field goals in, in the NFL um, with the Steelers last year, basically just as an injury replacement, um, had set a bunch of records in college, but has never kicked a field goal, has never successfully kicked a field goal of 50 yards or longer at the college or professional level. So again, not a lot of power here. So what's happening here? Why, why? Like I, I'm like every Lions fan right now, like 
we, for whatever reason that is not obviously apparent, we got rid of the previous guy who was doing just fine. And we all know what came next after that. And now I'm scared. If John Whitaker is still in the chat, I, come here, John, like, just look at me eye to eye right now. And I know this isn't podcast material, but just just look me in the eyes and, and listen to what I'm going to tell you right now. You have Matthew Wright. Who's kicked four field goals, and as Jeremy's mentioned, never kicked a field goal beyond 50 yards in college or in the NFL, for that matter. You're getting exactly what you asked for because you said that Matt Prater's big leg was a reason why Matt Patricia or the offense in general would just kind of sit back and rest on its laurels and be like, oh, we can kick a really long field goal because we have the luxury of Matt Prater's big leg. You don't have that anymore. So guess what? Anything, anything 50 yards or out like. And I guess I'm just kind of of the volition, like with this team, like, why not go ahead for the hell of it? Just go for it. I mean, it's the 2021 Detroit Lions. I think that should just be the mantra or the tagline for the team. It's like, just go for it. Um, but eventually it's it's nice to have those kickers that can kick field goals over 50 yards. I'm I'm reminded of one moment, especially much to the chagrin of all Lions fans like Justin Tucker. Well, I mean, a, Matt Prater, how gun. many times have Matt Prater kicked a 58 yard field goal at the end of a fourth quarter or something crazy like that? Like uh, there's uh, the Minnesota game where he sent it to overtime. There was the, a game winner this last year, I think, was a 58 yarders. Like I'm like, I'm, I'm with you. Theor- like if we want to try to spin this as like now the lines are going to go for it more between the 30 and 40 yard line. Like I'm I'm aboard, but. If, if I have a question about Dan Campbell, it's that like, I don't I don't think he's that kind of coach. Right. And would you ultimately rather have that guy or would you rather have Matt Prater on your team? Right. Well, I don't know. I don't know. It, it's close. <laughs> it's kind of close. But but I think the point is, is what you brought up at the end there. Like sometimes games are going to be decided by a last second field goal. And if you have a guy that can nail one from 58 yarder, suddenly your your offense is put in a much better position. Or or sometimes you get the ball and there's 54 seconds before the half. And mm-hmm. yeah, you have to try a long field goal and the lines don't appear on paper. It doesn't look like that can happen. <laughs> right. It doesn't appear that they're going to have a guy like that, that that can that can do it. So um, interesting thing from our, our bubble watch and I'm spoiling it a, a couple days ahead. Mike has neither kicker making the team. Do you think there's any chance that the Lions kicker for 2021 is not on the roster right now? I'm I'm getting cold sweats and I'm just seeing the, the words in like neon lights kick alicious kind of just like run through my brain. Um, <laughs> gosh, I hope not. I hope they have somebody in house already who's ready to go. Fair that enough. that would be disastrous because even yeah. like the veteran kicker, like if Randy Bullock ends up just being like the guy, right? Yeah. Who's, yeah. He's like a 80 to 82 percent field goal kicker in his career, right? Um. I mean, I hope that that guy at least hits because if that guy doesn't hit like, oh, boy. Yeah, well, I think I think that's going to close out special team. That's as much special team stock as I can stomach for a podcast. Uh, So let's just kind of let's kind of do a a firm recap here. Like. Obviously, you're pretty excited about training camp. I feel like everybody is. Mm -hmm. Is there a storyline, a player, a coach, something that is just like. That's the thing you want to hear mo- about most. That's the thing you're excited about the most. Training camp kicks off in a couple of days. What is the one thing you're either hoping to see or, or, or eager to see? 
I, I don't want to turn myself into a meme or I don't want to turn myself into a caricature. But I want to know how much this defense just tangibly improves on the field with Aaron Glenn leading the charge. Like, I, I just want to know, like, what a difference Aaron Glenn will make, because I've talked myself into Aaron Glenn being being worth like at least like a win. Like, I, I feel like he's I feel like his coaching the kind of preparation he's going to expect from the players, the way he's going to coach them along. I think that Aaron Glenn is going to do absolute wonders for this team because you are not a head coaching candidate. You are not somebody from the Bill Parcells tree who literally works yourself way, you know, from like, you know, regional scout all the way up through the scouting department and, and then work, you know, works on the personnel side and then works over on the coaching side. Like, Aaron Glenn didn't just get here because his name is Aaron Glenn. And you can look at the way that that Saint, you know, that Saints defensive backfield improved year after year and just maintained itself as being one of the tops in, in the NFL because Aaron Glenn was back there doing the things that he was doing. I I have really high hopes and high expectations for a team. We we spent the majority of the defensive pod or the defensive side of this podcast talking about the defensive backfield. And that's where I think Aaron Glenn's going to work his his magic. And who's to say if all of them are going to, you know, become incredible players. But like if if he can just unlock some of the potential of, of Jeff Okuda, if he can unlock the potential of Tracy Walker. And we are having a discussion where those two guys are, you know, maybe respectively in a year or two are in like the top 10 at their position. That's incredible. And that's awesome. And that would go a long way towards turning around this defense is having a guy at the helm who's been there before who did it for so many Sundays and is now passing that along to the players that he's coaching. So I'm excited to see the, the swag that the defense has too. Like that's one of the most interesting and fun parts of training camp too, right? Jeremy is just seeing the combative nature between the offense and the defense. Yeah. And that, that plays into one, one of the things I'm looking for, which is just fun again, right? Like the, the lines have this coaching staff and we, you know, you guys haven't seen it yet, but I saw it a little bit during mini camp and OTAs. Um, it, Training camp is just going to have a completely different feel to it. And it's going to be more fun for people watching. It's going to be much more fun for the players that are playing. And it, the coaches are having a blast out there. Like we all obsessed over Robert Prince last year and, and the years before that, that he was with the team and just saying like, he's the chief energy officer. He's so much fun. You can hear him across the field. You know, players love it. And, you know, lines had a pretty good set of wide receivers and that may not have been, um, a coincidence. So now the Lions have, you know, eight Robert Prince's out there. It's a lot of fun to watch and fans are going to go nuts. And, and that's another thing I'm looking forward to is just the fans reaction to being out there. Um, fans, you know, start being there on Saturday and, and just having that audience again, watching Lions football where nothing aside from injury can really go wrong. Like every, every good play that happens. Yes. Is a bad play for the other side of the ball. But people get psyched about the, the good play. Like an interception, people cheer. A, a deep pass, people cheer. Like people are going to be excited for Lions football again. And, and that's just going to be fun to see. And, and my last thing is like, listen, no, no one player is going to impact the future of this franchise more than Jared Goff. What this team does at quarterback will, I mean, the, 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 the ticker on Jared Goff starts in training camp to me. Like what he did in OTAs and minicamp doesn't really matter. And maybe what he does in training camp doesn't matter compared to what he does in the regular season. But the trajectory of this team and what they do at, at quarterback, which is, I don't need to remind anyone, the most important position, uh, Jared Goff. 
And if he can start looking like that guy in command and, and looking like he understands the offense and just shows glimmers of what he was doing in 2018 under Sean McVay, maybe this team could su- surprise people. Maybe this team could turn it around. Still probably not this season, but like if Jared Goff is good this year, Lions could be on the list of contenders in 2022. Yeah. Well, hey, speaking of surprises, I have a question to throw your way about training camp. What is one thing that we will absolutely not learn by the end of training camp about this team? <laughs> because I, can, I, yeah. I, I have my answer. My, my answer is whether they can run the ball. So my answer is who Jared Goff is. Like, okay, I, I think yeah. I think I think a lot of people are I, while you say like the ticker starts on Goff now, I think that it's a short timer. Yeah. I think it's a real yeah. short timer. And That's I think enough. that I think that some people, when they show up to training camp, they're going to be expecting Jared Goff to be. I mean, because they're so used to seeing Matthew Stafford that they're they're going to be expecting the same thing. And I, I think that I think that it will be different. And I, I think that people shouldn't go into training camp with this idea that we're going to figure out who Jared Goff is by the time they start to put pads on and start playing other teams like yeah. I, I don't think we're going to learn everything about Jared Goff until until we get well into the season. It's true, but there's going to be a lot of pressure on him to perform in preseason, which isn't fair. And, no, and like you said, it, it's not it's not how he performs in two drives in week two of the preseason isn't going to matter in the long run of things. But, you know, that if he throws an interception in just one of those drives, like the takes are going to be flying out the window. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah that's why that's why that was my answer <laughs> yeah yeah it's a good answer yeah um all right we're gonna close things up here but before we go i do want to kind of give a, a a preview of what our coverage is going to look like um me and eric will be out there for training camp most days if not all days out there and this week in particular we are going to be have a lot of coverage live on our twitch channel that's twitch.tv slash pride of detroit I know for certain after the first day of camp on Wednesday, we are going to have a podcast almost certainly with a couple special guests. Um, we're also going to have some, some fans that we bring on the podcast later in the week for some individual podcasts as well. That'll probably go up on the feed uh, a little bit later. Um, we might do some, some quickies after, um, you know, each day of camp still kind of working that out, but make sure you're following us live on twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit. We'll also throw out a bunch of these things on the, the podcast feed. So make sure if you miss any of that live, you can catch it all on podcast feed anywhere. You find podcasts also up on our YouTube pages. We throw these live podcasts up there. So make sure you're following us on all those platforms. So you don't miss a single second of what is going to be a ton of lions coverage this year. unprecedented amount of lions coverage this year. And I know you're all eager for it. We are too. So, I, I, I'm just, I don't, I don't even know what to say. Like I'm, I'm, I'm firing myself up right now because I'm, I'm so excited to get back to work. I mean, isn't that just the mark of a job? That's so great. Like, and it's awesome that we get to experience it with all of you guys too. Like, yeah. I, I think that's what has me most jazzed about the seasons. We talk about like how much fun it's going to be, but it's going to be fun for everybody. Like yeah. we're, uh, I think we have such an incredible community already established that, even if things go sour or go south or the Lions don't win too many games this year, I still think it's going to be a lot of fun because we, we have all of you guys too. So that that's part of what has me really jazzed about this upcoming season. Absolutely. And it won't be long now where we're less than two months away from the start of the regular season and we're going to have plenty of football to talk about before then. So 
Thank you all for joining us for this week's POD cast, our special training camp preview episode. Like I said, it's not, we're going to see you all again very, very soon. So stick with us. Thank you for joining us. It's chaos. Be kind. to do's, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.